I don't expect them to buy from us because we're Canadians. I expect them to, to hang around because of the experience and what we have to offer. Welcome to Behind the Brands, presented by NEO. We take an inside look at the leaders behind today's most influential brands. I'm your host, Jeff Adamson. As a co-founder of Skip the Dishes and NEO Financial, I am fascinated by what it takes to build great companies. On this podcast, you'll get to meet the masterminds behind the brands we interact with every day and get a behind-the-scenes look at the what, the why, and the how from a leader's perspective. Let's get going. I'm excited to introduce Kevin Edwards. CEO of the company that lets you easily find and order food from your favorite restaurants, Skip the Dishes. Launched in Saskatoon in 2012, Skip the Dishes has become a leading global online food marketplace, using technology to connect millions of customers with over 40,000 restaurant partners across Canada. With nearly 40 years of consumer strategy, marketing, global logistics, and organizational change leadership experience, Kevin joined Skip in 2018. He is the mastermind behind Skip's wildly successful John Hamm TV campaigns and has successfully led the company through an incredible period of growth. We have known each other for a long time through Skip and it is great to have Kevin here today. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, thanks, Jeff. The only thing I masterminded at the time was convincing our uh, founder and your uh, <laughs> your co-founder, that we should spend a significant amount of money on an A-list celebrity. Maybe that's a good place to begin because how did you convince Chris to invest so much in getting an A-list celebrity? Yeah, so we're talking about Chris Samer, who was CEO and hired me as a chief marketing officer at the time. It wasn't difficult to convince him, to be perfectly honest with you, once I took him through the premise. And the premise was, okay, we're this you know folksy kind of Western brand that's coming to the big city. Uh, our sexier competitors, uh, you know, Uber Eats were already established. And so how do we bridge the credibility gap? That's the quickest way to do it. But it doesn't mean that who you get or, it, uh, you know, who you consider is is going to be able to bridge that gap. And uh, that was a very, very interesting time. It was not an inexpensive proposition. It was absolutely the right decision at the time. And, and listen, Skip Creative up until that time had been good. It had laid the groundwork. It had appealed to the audience we were targeting, but ultimately, you know, you need to broaden that appeal. We just knew that it would jumpstart mm -hmm. things for us. You know, it was the humor, it was the self-deprecating, you know, not taking yourself too seriously. That's who we were. We had a choice between a number of different actors for it. I guess why why was John such the right person for it? I mean, and you have this juxtaposition of like he's Canadian, he's not Canadian, but there's plenty of Canadian actors. Why not just go with a Canadian and then, you know, then it's, it's authentic then. Yeah. I, I mean, I've told this story and, and, and for those who haven't heard it, it's, uh, you know, it's kismet how we got where we were. We were thinking about, hey, we're a Canadian brand, born and bred on the prairies, um, you know, Canadian values, you know, Canadian attitude. So let's get a Canadian. And uh, the, this, the, the scripts were such that, you know, we, we, we didn't want to take ourselves too seriously. There's a bit, a bit around in celebrity entitlement. We had three of the biggest uh, Hollywood A-list Canadians who we were talking to, and we were well down the road with, with one that, you know, we were even in negotiation stage. And so we had all the scripts positioned. I'm a, you know, I'm a Canadian, I'm, I'm entitled, and, you know, why wouldn't I want the best food delivered to my, uh, to my home? And then at the last minute, um, unfortunately, and they were very apologetic, they had to pull out on that same phone call while they were apologizing 
their agents mentioned John Hamm might be available. I was like, okay, well, there's one barrier. He's not Canadian. <laughs> and um, look, you know what? Uh, it's, it's the tech business, right? You move quickly and you, you, you have to adjust and pivot. And within, I would say, 48 hours, we had scripts written for an American who wanted to be Canadian. And let's face it, Americans want to be Canadian. It wasn't, it wasn't too much of a stretch. <laughs> well, I think uh, you might be selling yourself a little bit short here, Kevin, because I, I remember when we first met, one of the things that really I liked about you was that you have this depth of knowledge. And the reason I'm mentioning this is because you're able to spin up a John Hamm national TV campaign in only a couple months um, from being at Skip and also from starting the campaign. Like, you got it off the ground really quick. But you have this, this depth of experience across uh, a bunch of different industries over a long career, yet you have this energy and enthusiasm. And I'm, I'm wondering, how do you keep up that energy and enthusiasm you know, throughout your career? I don't, I don't really know. I, I sort of never consider what gets me out of bed every morning and excites me. I just, I like people. I like huge challenges to overcome. And I love the sense of teamwork that you need to to overcome. You know, I love bringing people together. I love supporting brilliance and innovation. I, you know, that's where I get most of my satisfaction, and that that's what motivates me. I, you know, I was a I was a hockey coach at a high level, and as well as a football coach. And man, you know, it's the same enjoyment I get back more. I think than than those who you know I'm leading and coaching. Honestly, I do. Mm -hmm. It's just such a great sense of. Um, camaraderie, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. I, 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 I just feed off of the energy that successful teams generate. So before Skip, Kevin, you worked at Bell, Office Depot, Movember. And these are so large global organizations, fairly mature companies as well. Was the coaching aspect something that, that drew you to Skip? Because it's not, it's not often you see someone go from these large mature companies to one, I think at the time Skip was five years old, maybe. I had just done a, my turn in, uh, you know, a global uh, a charity and I, I, I started, you know, consulting for six months and ended up doing it for two years and loved it so much. You know, I wasn't at the end of my career such that I, you know, I was thinking about riding off to the sunset and just taking it easy. I, I, I get bored easily if there's not big challenges in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, moving to Winnipeg, I was in Melbourne at the time and got interviewed for the job at to Skip by Chris and Andrew, and then hadn't even asked where the business was at the time. I just assumed it was in Toronto because you know, <laughs> the universe. And the, and the recruiter says to me, "Oh, it's in Winnipeg." I was okay. Well, um, hmm. okay, let's let's look at the opportunity. And I've always looked at the opportunity versus anything else. That's mm -hmm. I've gone from industry to industry, and and there has not been a straight line ever. Mm -hmm. What really excited me was the challenge. Mm -hmm. I had never, I'd never worked in tech before, but the challenge was brand. It wasn't tech. So I was like super excited. It was, you know, a like young team. Like I was really so excited about being part of this youthful business, this incredible growth opportunity. And, and, and that year we, I'm sure it's public now, you know, we were, we were on our way to maybe a couple hundred million, and and that was a significant, significant trajectory. Considering, you know, when you when you had sold the business, mm -hmm. and so 
how do we explode this? Right. And it's just, it's everything. It's not just brand. I mean, as you know, it's like, you've got to have the right restaurants, right? You've got to have the right experience that the tech has to be the best. And, and so I learned early on that, you know, the decision I made to come was, was a great one, you know, and I'm very, very lucky to have given that up been given the opportunity. And, and you mentioned something earlier about coaching football and hockey at a high level, and you've got a competitive drive in you, uh, which I think is what makes you really good in this role. Did you get a sense when you came in that this was a land grab and in, in an intensely competitive industry? Yeah. I mean, look, it, I, I don't even remember the number of cities we were in that year might've been 60, you know, so our, our coverage was good, right? We hadn't come to Toronto. We had in any big way. We Toronto yeah. proper. I mean, we that was the next frontier. We, you know, Montreal, not much on the East Coast, and so yeah, we needed to get places. The partnerships teams and the and the restaurants need to be out ahead of us because there's you know it's kind of pointless to be saying I'm open for business and there's nothing there to appeal to anybody. So it was a very obviously a very coordinated effort. And some efforts, some teams were were out ahead of others. It, it was it was it needed to be a land grab. Especially when you're building a national brand, you've got to be national. Just think about how quickly we scaled in such a short period of time, and we're still scaling. You know, now we're in smaller geographies that we never would have considered three years ago. It's interesting. I remember us sitting in a restaurant in Winnipeg, knowing what you know now. Has has this role or this experience? How different is it from the expectation you had at that time? You know, I, I came on board as the guy responsible for marketing and, and raising, coaching, building a marketing team. And within four or five months, ended up taking over responsibility to lead the business. Not where I expected. I mean, I expected, you know, you weren't hiring somebody of my age and vintage if you weren't going to give them more responsibility along the way. But, you know, I'm in the nuts and bolts and the details of advancing this brand and making sure that all of the, everything behind the brand is lined up. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't just launching John Hamm. There was so much more discipline and we needed to hire more talent. We need, there's so much we needed to do. And all of a sudden, you know, I end up being yeah. in that role. And now I got to kind of step back a little bit, which is complete antithesis of my character. You know, I want to be in the weeds, not to tell people, but to understand what people are working on, how they're thinking, how they're viewing what the next year or two is going to be. Those are the weeds, always have been the weeds for me because I believe my role has always been assigned responsibility and KPIs and whatever. Everyone understood their accountabilities, but then to clear the path. My job is not to do. My job is to create the, the condition that people can be successful. And so, you know, I had a bit of that mindset, but it was hard. It was hard for six months getting out of the weeds. And there are parts of the business I didn't even understand. I'd only been there five months. Yeah. I didn't understand anything about partnerships or how we moved to new cities. So there was yeah. a lot of learning for me personally. What's interesting about your experience, I think, in particular, is because if you think about your own career, you obviously uh, progressed and took over roles and got promotions. But at Skip, you, you actually came in and you took over from Andrew Chow, who was one of the co-founders of Skip, and he is now the CEO at Neo Financial. And so you took over that role. So that was one founder you took over for. And then four or five months in, you're taking over for another founder. How, how different was that from your, the previous appointments that you've had? Was it the same or if you found that you had to approach it in a diff different way? The hallmark of my career, and, I, and I, I would say this to everyone, is you've got to figure out a way to be about brilliant execution. But if you see yourself as an overall leader of a business or a leader of a business unit or a team, 
you've got to find a way to execute. And execution happens, you know, on many different levels. You know, one of them in particular is, is just how you build relationships in the organization. Number one, got to have great people around you. Mm-hmm. And, and they've got to want to travel with you. So no matter where you are in your career and at what level you're at, got to engage. You've got to have the people that are working with you and for you want to follow you, mm-hmm. you know, and they've got to see themselves in that mission. Everyone has to see themselves in that mission. Everyone understands, has, has to understand the role that they play and you appreciate them for the role that they have to play. Once you get that, I mean, you can conquer all sorts of challenges. You can overcome all sorts of things. Skip operates so tightly because it's so connected in every single different way and everything's on demand. How, how did you go about building those relationships across the company? Were you going in in operations and sitting with the teams or, or, or was it just speaking with leaders? Like, did you have a process? I don't know if it's a conscious, deliberate process. I accept that I don't know a lot. But I also have a responsibility to close that gap as quickly as possible, because if I'm going to be asked to make decisions ultimately and be responsible for decisions that teams are making, I better understand why we're making those decisions. You know, as you mentioned, three-sided marketplace, every one of those things needs to be in balance. And every one of those teams who are responsible for, you know, courier customers and, and, and restaurants all need to be talking to one another. And to be working together because, you know, ultimately the, the, the goal is shared. You mentioned something earlier that I want to come back to because you mentioned being in the weeds and that you, you like being in the weeds, but then all, all of a sudden, you know, you need to rise up. I think a lot of people struggle not only on getting out of the weeds and then actually looking ahead and, you know, stepping above it, but they also have a, a struggle to let go of the role or function that they once had. Did you find that that was a challenge for you? Because I know that marketing is, is kind of, is your passion. Was that challenging for you? Yeah. You know, we were only, say, five months into uh, changing the course of our brand, you know, elevating our brand. We had a lot of plans and I had to be less about understanding all of the details of that. And it's, yeah, I mean, in the weeds, I needed to understand every facet of what we were doing. Not that I was going to make every decision, but I needed to understand what we were doing. And then all of a sudden to now need to apply equal weight to, to all the other parts of the business in terms of my attention and advocacy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was hard. Got to be honest with you. It's still hard. You can't steer things. You've got to let things go. You've got to let people travel. But I, I want to dig in on that because how did you go about doing that when it came to things where you're like, hey, I, I did this. I know it. And you maybe don't agree with it. How do you provide that coaching and saying, hey, I I would do it another way, while at the same time, you have to empower them to do it their own way too? Yeah. And and I think that's a little bit with age. You know, I think it comes with, it's not about the experience. It's about recognizing that when it's your opinion versus like, have I experienced this differently? And do I know that this is not the direction or is it just my opinion? Mm -hmm. Right. Those are two different things. And so having, having a bit of earned wisdom to be at, you know, at a certain age when you've made that mistake five times and been able to say, hey, listen, I don't think that's where we should be going. And I'm sure I, I do that. I do that across, you know, other parts of the business now because, I've, you know, three years in, I've, I've seen lots of stuff. Our company has grown so much. We've hired so many new people. Now they've inherited 
other people's work, but they see the world differently. Well, if there are mistakes to be made, you know, make them because we're stretching, because we're innovating, because we're trying to go into new places. Don't make them because people don't have the knowledge of where we went before. Yeah, I like what you said there around, so it's, it's not making a mistake because you weren't aware of the details of a certain part of the company, but you're making that mistake because you're, you're pushing, you're stretching yourself. When, when you hire people in, and especially in the marketing world, because you, that's how you came in, do you kind of give them a, a warning sign or even where you're like, hey, I know you have all this experience, but here's how it's going to be different here because of the fact that Skip is an on-demand three-sided marketplace? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think anyone can truly be prepared for this business. You know, we have hired people from very traditional uh, businesses, but I think people are finding that it's a sense of freedom to take in, at times some very, you know, traditional uh, backgrounds and have them use those skills and learned, uh, uh, you know, learned e- e- experience and apply them to a fast growing tech business. And, and we need to hire people like that, right? They, they need to be inquisitive. Like I, what I want to hear in a conversation is somebody who is frustrated because what they're doing is the same old. What they want is, is to leverage whatever experience they've gained and, and to be a part of something bigger and challenging. And every day you're uncomfortable and you're operating without a net. Uh, those are the people that, yeah. that, that excel the most. It's completely different. I mean, a lot of companies would be happy if they grew double digits year over year. Oftentimes, Skip is growing double digits month over month. Yeah. I guess, how have you found decision-making different in hyper-growth versus more steady-state growth of, of kind of more mature industries? Well, listen, we were on a pretty impressive growth tra- trajectory anyway. You know, the pandemic, the last, you know, 18 months has... Uh, change that uh, that significantly. We were going to get there anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this business, this this industry was going that way anyway. We just got there probably a year and a half, couple years sooner. Mm-hmm. But I think the best evidence of how good this business is, how how great the people are that work here, um, that lead here, that innovate here, are the fact that we were able to. So it, it's you know. It's one thing to have an opportunity to grow at triple digits. It's another thing to be able to handle it. Yeah, it's painful. And yeah. With, and look, the, the customer experience had to suffer because you're going from zero to 60 virtually within 30 days. We were able to take that, take that on and be great as a business uh, and still are. And, and that's because of the people who just... You know, roll up the sleeves, get on a call, figure this out. No question, our previous uh, trajectory was was manageable, but to flip that switch overnight really speaks to uh, you know our capability and excellence as a business. A, a lot of people maybe don't understand, like when they look at an app. So, Skip for them, it's an app or a website. There isn't as much awareness around. Because like an, an app like Instagram or something can grow virally, and there obviously are still operations involved, but you're not physically moving people and food from you know place to place. So when you have that type of triple digit growth, it impacts everything. There are so many moving pieces. Is there anything that you wish Canadians knew about about Skip or about even the business model itself? 
Well, I, I'd like to do my Canadian commercial here. We are a Canadian business launched, founded by five young men, um, built by a very dedicated uh, group of, we call them the OGs. Jeff, you know better than I, but you know, just dozens of people who built this business in Canada on the prairies, right? We weren't born in, you know, Silicon Valley or, or other tech hotspots. We were built here. And we also have all of our infrastructure here. All of our tech was built here. And I don't think it's boasting. I think it's fact. We have the best platform. And, and how do we prove that? Because we're profitable. We have achieved that because um, I just think we have, as Canadians, I think we're underappreciated. And I think that's what fuels us. And so what I would like, want to tell everyone is that while we may be owned by a global business, we still have all of our infrastructure here. Mm -hmm. We have hundreds of engineers here in Canada. When you hit our app, you've got 36, 3,700 Canadians working behind the scenes. You know, all of our ops is here. So our customer service is all here. And we're proud of that. And we're going to continue to talk about that. It's not suggest that our competitors aren't earnest about the way that they build their business. Canada, to too many, is a bit of a branch plan. Right. It's a mm -hmm. it's another market to conquer. It's our home. Right. I wouldn't also suggest that anybody cares more deeply about restaurants and, and our partners than we do. But, you know, we live on those streets where those, where those partners have been struggling the last uh, uh, couple of years. And we care deeply. I think that's a bit of the Canadian spirit, if you will. No, I think that's well said. I think it, it does make a difference when you're building tech for your own countrymen and women. When yeah. you're orders you're placing are keeping friends and family employed, creating income and jobs in Canada. And I've heard you mention and champion not only Canada, but, but uh, I mean, Skip has offices in, in Calgary and in Toronto and, and Winnipeg. And I've heard you talk a lot about why that's so important. I'd love to just hear your take on why it's important that, that Skip is here in Canada because a lot of companies could take their jobs elsewhere. And that happens all the time. We will always be in Winnipeg. You know, we will always have the majority of our infrastructure, or our employees. It, it is so important and core to this company. I lived in London, England, and Chicago, and Melbourne, Australia, and to end up in Winnipeg and feel like it was the best place I'd lived in in my life. But to arrive in Winnipeg and just find people that I did not expect earnest, honest, integrity, head down, loyal, not distracted. And I often say, you know, I have a conversation with somebody in, uh, in Toronto at a, at a mixer or, or a networking event. They're looking over your shoulder to see where the next best conversation is. In Winnipeg, people look in the eyes and they want to talk about you. They're interested in you. They want to talk about themselves and talk about their experiences. It's just a really wonderful place. You know, they're also really nice people as well. And so I don't think that this business would be as successful, certainly as quickly as we were, if it were built anyplace else. Because it's so important that these, bus these businesses succeed on people's dedication and their talent and skill. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in a, in a place where right around the corner is another opportunity, you may not be able to retain everybody. Winnipeg is the reason why we are where we are. I actually thought the same thing when I, when I moved to Winnipeg. I never have, had imagined myself living there. And when I got there, I was living out of a suitcase for a while and 
for a long time actually and I was just shocked at the people that were there and, and I'm wondering why do you think there's such a difference between people's expectations of what Winnipeg is and then what it actually is when they get there? Yeah, I mean, I think Winnipeg suffers from a few Winnipeg jokes. You know, you come and you live there and you experience it. And I always talk to somebody, somebody says, oh yeah, I've been to Winnipeg twice. When were you there? In February. Well, yeah, I I wouldn't want to be in Winnipeg in February. I'm Toronto, right? I was born and raised here. My family is here. E- even I was very surprised at what I found when I moved there. I, I just think there's a little bit of that. But you know what? Winnipeg people don't care. They That's don't true. care. Well, they don't care what Toronto thinks of them. And, and, you know, I'm not slagging Toronto. As I said, this is my hometown. This is where I was born and raised. And I think, yeah. you know, some of my best qualities are because I was, I was raised here. But some of my new and best qualities are because I lived in Winnipeg. I want to touch on um, what you think the real value Skip provides to Canadians is. I want to touch on some of the brand side. Like people see it as food delivery, but do you see it as being something different? Look, if you just hold us up as an as an example to Canadians of great tech business that was built and you know has, has achieved a success here in Canada, as an example to all the other entrepreneurs or or people building startups or you know coming up with an idea and looking for funding, I mean Shopify, us, you know Neo is another example of that, right? Like it is possible here. It's not only possible; it is likely here. And that is because, because we have the talent here, but it can be done here and you can stay here and you can be true to your employees and, you know, your original principles, right? Around building a business, a tech business here in Canada and can be done in the prairies as we've both proven for young people or not even young people, anybody who's thinking about investing uh, in an idea. I think we're an example of what you can achieve in terms of you know, what we mean, what the brand means for Canada, you know, you have to differentiate. Some have said that this is, you know, a commodity business. I disagree because how you approach customers, how you approach the business, our partners, how you manage your business is entirely unique. And so we choose to celebrate that. We distinguish our brand on being, having a sense of humor and having, being self-deprecating, being true to who we are. When somebody opens up the app, Sure, we've got to have a great assortment. We've got to represent the restaurants in your area. And, and we do, right? We've got to have a great customer experience, which we do. So I, I think to Canadians, I, I don't expect them to buy from us because we're Canadians. I expect them to, to hang around because of the experience and what we have to offer. What I love hearing like the refrain of we can do this and why not us? It's going to be us and we're going to make it happen. Because you're going up against global competitors, Uber Eats, DoorDash. And I think that that's a good question as why not us? You know, there's a lot of people who talk about, oh, I'm just going to like, they'll look at different food delivery apps. But for, for Skip, that, that ability to be a uniquely Canadian is one differentiator. But you guys are also launching other new verticals as well. You're not just resting on your laurels of being Canadian. I've heard great things about Skip Express Lane. Can you tell us a bit about the motivation behind doing that and, and why is that so important? Yeah, I think it's, it's important to our, to our global business, our parent, um, you know, Just Eat Takeaway. We look to new areas of growth and uh, convenience is an important category. It emerged and became a really important category uh, during COVID, running out to uh, you know, your local convenience store or things you needed in a hurry. All of a sudden you could do that through an app. And 
Like we're not unique in this space, but what we've done is we've built a convenience business that we built ourselves. And so, you know, bringing on demand to, to convenience and being great at it. We are proving this case on behalf of our global business. We didn't invent this. You know, our competitors are in this space too, but we just plan to do it better. And we plan to, uh, to earn the highest reorder rates from our, from our customers because we're that good at it. So in terms of the role of ExpressLine, the, the assortment of items, is this something that is going to be able to be updated and curated to the local tastes of, of every market? Or is, is each ExpressLine fairly similar? So that's a bit of the differentiation there. And I don't think I'd be giving too much away uh, in terms of our, uh, of our strategy. But yeah, if you're going to be in Winnipeg, uh, you better be delivering generate cakes, you know, uh, you better, you know, reflecting what the taste of, of that market. People feel very, uh, you know, loyal and possessive of the things that are, you know, from their, from their area. I mean, London, Ontario, same thing. An aspect of it is that local flavor, the, those local things that you can't live without. It could be a bag of chips that, you know, are made in a local factory. Ultimately, you know, could be, um, beer and spirits that are local. And so you do need to have core items. You, you, do, need, you do need to reflect the, the kind of on-demand convenience uh, assortment that's, that's expected. It could be diapers. It could be a, you know, a flat of Coke. Uh, it could be ice cream. You know? And all of those things are high on the list of, of items. Listen, it's also reflective of who we are. You know, we're Canadians. And so we appreciate all of these places in Canada that have you know, uniqueness, right? It's just Vancouver is not the same as Toronto and not the same as Portage La Prairie or, or Saskatoon. And so what matters most to people in those markets? I remember launching brands on Skip and just seeing this pent up demand for certain restaurants uh, where they were previously never available for delivery and all of a sudden you launch them and then you kind of just have this massive spike in demand. And the idea that you can kind of, and you kind of gave a shout out to Generate Cakes and I, I believe you got La Pampa empanadas on there as well and because like those businesses aren't open the same hours as a uh, express lane is that is that correct yeah i mean and you know on access and you know they may be on the other side of town and and yeah you know there's a lot of ways that prevents them from getting their products directly to customers who you know they may get them once a month but now they can get them every day if they want. well and that ability though the fact that you've built these yeah. relationships with those businesses to become an additional distribution channel i think it's quite clever and i think it's under underestimated in some ways because for that person who maybe getting generate cakes was going to be a 30-minute drive or maybe they're closed and yeah. maybe this is going to make someone's day they hit a button and it's there in 20 minutes. That's a big deal. I, 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 like, I think that's going to have a huge impact as you scale that across the country. And it has for restaurants. You know, I mean, look, over the last year and a half, this category uh, in our industry has taken a lot of broadsides. You know, we didn't close restaurants. And it's the last thing we ever want is for restaurants to struggle. This business was about incremental revenue for restaurants. You know, very often outside their regular core dinner hours, it was never intended to be a single source of revenue for any of these restaurants. It's to be complementary and to, and to you know, maybe cover some additional costs, but to also expose their brand to a wider audience. You know, we're caught in the, in the pandemic and we still got to operate a business. We still got, you know, as I said, we got 3,500 people, 3,600 people in Winnipeg behind that app. We still have to do that. We still have to advertise. And so 
we still see ourselves in the same way we did three years ago, but the pandemic has changed that. And for businesses like, like you're talking about, local, local companies now have the opportunity to expose their products or make them available you know, at any time across perhaps an entire city. That's how this or why this business was built in the first place. And so to bring it to other, you know, categories or, or you know, packaged goods or, or, or other, other feature items, it's exciting. You mentioned something there that, that kind of struck me, which, which was you didn't cause the pandemic. And, you know, we previously had the vice president of marketing and communication for WestJet on the show. And we had the chief brand officer from Earl's on the show as well. And these are two industries that have just been devastated by, by COVID. And, and then, of course, you have other industries like so e-com has taken off. Food delivery has obviously benefited. How do you balance out that perception that you're somehow profiting off of this because you're offering a service to Canadians that's needed. I mean, even Justin Trudeau was coming out and saying, like, order from Skip. Obviously, you want the pandemic to go away and go back to life as normal, but it, there's no question that it has accelerated sales. But, but it's not because of what you're doing. No, and it's a flip statement for me to say, you know, we didn't invent the pandemic, like, as if, you know, we're the victim in this. I, that's, that's not what I'm saying is that if delivery platforms didn't exist, how would restaurants have gotten through this at all? Or maybe there would have been a different approach to restaurants had the only, you know, access been through takeout. Maybe, maybe restrictions would have been, you know, applied differently, right? Maybe dining rooms wouldn't have been as closed as quickly, but because we existed, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it was easier to do it. I mean, the, you know, one of the mayors of one of the big cities, you know, said, stay home and order skip. Great for us. But the fact that we're in this is obviously that's the bad part, right? We did nothing. We, we changed nothing. We lowered our rates significantly in order to help those restaurants survive. Because coming out of this thing, I want my favorite restaurant down the street to still be there at the end of this. And we recognize the responsibility yeah. very early on. People are struggling. We're one of the businesses that people are thinking, you know, is benefiting. And, and, but we're also, you know, we're also profitable. Nowhere near what we could have been. Our rebates are going to be about $70 million in the last year. And that those go right back into the pockets of restaurants as, yeah. as we reduce uh, commission caps, both legislated and, and the volunteer caps that, that we get. Yeah, and, and you don't hear anyone coming after mask manufacturers for, for making profit off of, you know, obviously we're wearing a lot more masks than we did two years ago. They serve an important part and they're needed and they've stepped up. And I don't think people's lives have been easier at Skip or any of these companies that have seen extraordinary growth over the pandemic. I imagine that many people are working incredibly long hours trying to get what Canadians need to them when they need it. We, we felt a sense of duty to our business, to each other. But I can tell you, especially on our partnerships teams who are talking to those restaurants every day, is how do we get you through this? Mm-hmm. Bringing restaurants on at 0% commission for 30 days. And if you stay with us, great. If you don't, fine. At least we were able to help you at that time. A lot of that is missed in this discussion. Even just before we started, we were talking about the move to remote work as well. And I guess, what do you see is missing from that? Like, what have you seen in in your own organization that has been missing from people not being face-to-face? I don't think we're really going to know that. For a while, I've said this a number of times: is that I think innovation happens face to face. 
I think innovation happens in a casual conversation uh, at lunch. It happens in a, somebody, you know, passing somebody's desk. I think a light goes off in the middle of the night and somebody rushes into the office the next day and grabs a coffee and says, here's what I was thinking about. Mm-hmm. Whiteboard meetings. Uh, you know, I know that we've got great platforms now, but come on. The energy of somebody standing with a, you know, with a highlighter uh, or a, uh, a whiteboard uh, uh, marker and then somebody grabs that marker and takes it the rest of the way, we've lost all that. But mm-hmm. we won't know really if the lack of that has created you know, a lack of innovation, if you will. Um, I suspect it has, and I suspect it won't show up right away. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's the biggest concern I have is even just being in an office and feeling the energy and, and, and being part of something. And- yeah, those relationships that you talked about earlier, which are so important in just understanding the entire company and what people's priorities are is just a little bit harder to do when you're not bumping into that person spontaneously yeah. or you know sharing ideas with each other when you perhaps wouldn't have maybe done that if you hadn't just seen them yeah like understanding perspectives where where do you think food delivery is heading what's what's next i i think we're grabbing hold of of what's next you know uh, uh delivery as a service is is well uh, entrenched you know some of the major brands are embracing that i think for us we are on demand like we are what can we get to you in 30 minutes, let's say. You think about, it's like a big pipe, you know? How much can we put in that pipe? How much can we put in that pipe and still maintain the customer experience? You know, the franchise is food delivery from restaurants, right? But what else can we put in that pipe? Have we built a business that is strong enough and sustainable enough to be able to sustain a, a, a customer experience by putting other things in that in that pipe? And, and mm-hmm. that's... That's ultimately where, where, where it's going. A lot of stuff you don't need in 30 minutes. But maybe if you can have it in 30 minutes, you know, it might change, might change your perspective a little bit, right? I think just building a business to be able to meet the challenge of, of the new customer expectation, that's where we need to focus. Well, maybe that's a great place to end it. Uh, Kevin, awesome chatting with you. Grateful for your time. Uh, love some of the stuff that you're doing. If people want to follow you, reach out to you, where can they do that? You know what? Honestly, it's terrible to say, but I have no social media accounts, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. You know, I really don't be, uh, for no other reason, but I have a hard time sharing my life with everyone else. But, hey. you know, maybe on behalf of the brand, look, you know, uh, contact, skip the dishes, uh, whether it be through my LinkedIn account or otherwise, and be glad to comment. I just want to also close by saying, uh, so proud of the work that you know our founders are doing post skip the dishes it's remarkable and uh you know neo and and some of the other businesses uh they're exciting and uh we wish you nothing but great success oh thanks kevin appreciate you being here and for for everything very grateful 